I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of John. The Gospel according to John, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. John, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, where John writes, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, Standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we're just so grateful for your love and your grace. And God, we are grateful for this privilege to study your word together. And now, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. It's the season of Epiphany. Epiphany, that word means a manifestation of God. Now, typically the day of Epiphany we know as January the 6th, and it's the time when we remember the wise men coming, as Matthew tells the story, to see the Christ child, Jesus, who was around two years of age. Pastor Rocio last week shared with us the story of the wise men coming to worship the Christ child. It was an epiphany because God was manifesting Himself, revealing Himself to us. It was epiphany because they offered gold, the gift for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh for one who would eventually give his life. It was God revealing God's self, an epiphany. But epiphanies are not just a one-time thing. It's, it's not just that there was the day of the epiphany, this is when the epiphany occurred, God continually manifests Himself and shows Himself to us. How does God do that? And how does God do that today? What are ways that we see God revealing Himself in our world and in our lives, in our homes, in our work, with our families, with our friends today? Well, John tells us this beautiful story, and it's an epiphany. It's the story of Jesus' very first miracle, turning the water to wine at a wedding. 
Now, it's probably not what we would have planned for Jesus' first miracle. I mean, I just imagine if Jesus had a PR team, if Jesus had, you know, this group of writers or producers or his cabinet or those who, you know, set up his teleprompters and tell him what to say, probably was not, let's, let's do, what could be your first miracle? Let's do water to wine. I mean, I would imagine people would have thought, man, if we start with like raising the dead, that would set it up. Or if, if we do the healing of lepers, that would be just absolutely incredible. A wedding ceremony turning water to wine. But I actually love it. I think it's amazing. And John, who's the only one who tells us the story, John finds this incredible too. Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. I mean, picture that. We were told at Christmas that Jesus' name would also be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And I love this image of Jesus celebrating at a wedding. I love this image of Jesus laughing. Sometimes we, we have this idea of Jesus walking around in his robe and, and the crowds around and, and Jesus just, you know, reaching out his hands, quieting the crowd, that very stoic look on his face. And, of course, if you watch the movies, many of them about Jesus, he has a British accent, which I find very interesting. Why in the world, when he's from Palestine? But I see Jesus really wanting to live among us, to experience life with us. And a wedding was one of the most joyous events in biblical times. There was not all the, the competition that we have today for our attention. And so weddings were like the event of the community. It was something people planned well in advance. The, the celebration would, might just be the celebration of the year for a small town or a community, but especially for a family. It took all kinds of preparation. The celebration typically lasted not just a few hours like our weddings with the ceremony and the reception, but for a week, it would be a week-long gathering. Rabbis would be released from their responsibilities to be able to stay and celebrate at a wedding. And Jesus is there. He's invited. We're told that his mother, Mary, was there. We'll only see that twice here. Mary at the beginning of the first miracle and then at the foot of the cross in the Gospel of John. But we're told that Mary was there and that Jesus had been invited. That means there was a relationship. Some relationship that allowed Jesus to be part of this. Now, Cana is only about four miles or so, depending on where you live in Nazareth, where you live in Cana. But roughly about four miles, the towns from each other. And so it makes you wonder, was this a family member of Jesus? Mary seems to have some sense of responsibility or obligation when you hear her get concerned about the wine running out. Was this just a, a neighbor, a friend? Was it someone that Jesus knew when he was a kid? Was Jesus a friend of the bride? Maybe Jesus was a friend of the groom. We, we don't really know, but we know there was a relationship. And I think that's what's so powerful is that when Jesus is fully human, God fully human, there was a relationship there that Jesus was invited 
to the wedding. A sense of intimacy, a sense of sharing, but then a crisis occurs. They start to run out of wine. Now that may not seem like a big deal to some of us, but in biblical times and in a biblical culture, hospitality was absolutely vital. And to run out of wine at a big event such as a wedding celebration when you've invited friends and neighbors and family and others to come, if you were to run out of provisions, that, that could just be a disgrace. It could bring on shame and humiliation. And, and you can just imagine that the family would be mortified. Mary actually sees what's going on and, and comes to Jesus. I mean, you can imagine what would have happened had Jesus not been able to intervene and they actually had run out of the wine. That would have been all that was talked about in the community. If the wedding was to be the big event, the crisis at the wedding, that would be the story. Did you hear what happened at the wedding? It was just so sad, and I felt so bad for them. But wonder why they invited so many people if they didn't have enough to be able to feed and provide for them and enough wine for everybody to be able to have for the time. It's just so sad, so tragic. wonder what happened. If I found out who that wedding planner was, you can imagine that kind of conversation. They would have been so embarrassed. But Mary comes to Jesus. She turns to Jesus. Now, it appears that Jesus doesn't have this ultimate responsibility there. He even asks, what does this have to do with us? But Mary knew if there's a crisis, I can turn to Jesus. Now, as I read this scripture and I think about this each time, I'm reminded, remember the story of Luke when Luke tells about the birth of the Christ child and the shepherds come and at the end after they've told all that they had seen and heard, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Actually, through the scriptures we see a lot where Mary would ponder these things. And I picture as Jesus was growing up, how many times was Mary working but also paying attention to Jesus playing, Jesus talking with the other kids, Jesus in the temple, Jesus experiencing different things, and she would ponder. That kid's exceptional. God had said this is His only begotten Son. Wow. Listen to Him. So here Mary knows to turn directly to Jesus. And even when Jesus said, what does that have to do with us? Mary goes, do whatever he tells you, because she didn't need Jesus to consent, I'll help you. She knew he would. Did you catch that? She didn't wait to say, will you do something and wait for Jesus to say, okay, I've got it. She immediately looks at the others and says, just do whatever he tells you. She knew. If there's something going on, I can turn to Jesus and I can trust and know He will take care of it. Now, there's a, there's a word in that scripture that tends to bother some people because Jesus looks at her and goes, woman, what does that have to do with us? Now, 
the way we translate that word, the Greek word, over into the English, it can sound rather rude and, and, and rather offensive. And I will be honest with you, I would never have had the courage when I was a kid to have looked at my mother and go, woman, what's that got to do with me? It, it wasn't that kind of word. As, as a matter of fact, if you look at the New Revised Standard Cultural Backgrounds Bible study, it, you know, it will tell you that to address a woman such indicated no disrespect, it was similar to the English ma'am. Ma'am, what does that have to do with us? And if you want to feel really better about it, when Jesus is dying on the cross in John 19 verse 26, that's the same word that he uses there when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her. He said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Obviously, no attitude from the cross. So we have to be careful how we read that scripture in. Jesus wasn't being rude and disrespectful. But Mary knew he'll handle it. Jesus has them take the water jars that were there for the rite of purification where they would wash their hands and cleanse to come in and celebrate. And, and all of a sudden, all of these jars with all these gallons of water turned into wine. And Jesus has them to take it to the steward and the steward takes a taste of it and he calls the bridegroom over and he goes, what have you done? Man, what you're supposed to do is you start out with the good wine. And then once the crowd's had some of the good wine, once their senses are dulled down a little bit, then you can bring out the cheap stuff. You save this good stuff for last. And we're told this was Jesus revealing His glory. It was an epiphany. And the disciples believed in Him. Well, how do we experience epiphanies in our lives and in our world today? And, and what are some of the things that we can do? And one of the things that I, I love as I read this scripture again and again is to be reminded that Jesus was invited to the wedding. I think we have a tendency to invite Jesus only into the crisis. You know, we're at the hospital. We need Jesus. We're, we're struggling at the bedside. We need Jesus. We just got this news that's devastating from our employer. We need Jesus. And we have a tendency to invite Jesus into the crisis situations. But notice, Jesus was invited also to the party. And I think one of the things we can learn from this is not to wait to just have Jesus as the break glass in case of emergency kind of God, but actually the Savior and Lord of our lives who is always with us, not only in the crisis situations, but also in those joyous parties. I mean, a wedding was a celebration. To think about, we have a God who wants to laugh with us, to celebrate with us, to dance with us, to experience joy with us. If we want to experience epiphany in our lives, perhaps we need to invite Jesus into our lives, all of our lives, the celebrations too. So that He's a part not only of our worship when we join together as the church, but have you invited Him into your home to always be part of your home? It's one of the things I love about saying the blessing at the table. It's a reminder we've invited Jesus to the table. 
he's gathering with the family as we gather together. What about at work? I mean, have we invited Jesus into our work environment? We, we call on Him when our work has a crisis, but what about when things are going well at work? Do we give Him the praise and the glory and invite Him into those times? I mean, people will say sometimes, you know, well, business is business. Well, business may be business, but we're still Christians wherever we are in business. Still who we are, it's our identity, it's our relationship with God and and do we take Jesus to work with us? So in our home, in our work, on the ball fields, or wherever we are in our lives, to celebrate Jesus wants not only to be part of the crisis, but He really wants to be part of the celebration too. Jesus was invited to the wedding. And what I think is important there is, if Jesus is always part of our lives... If He's there at the good times in our lives, He's already there when the crisis occurs. He's already there when the challenge arrives. And so we didn't have to go, Mary didn't have to go, somebody go find Jesus. Jesus was already at the party. And when the party became crisis, He was already there. Maybe one of the reasons we miss epiphanies it's because we don't have Jesus always around us. How can He manifest Himself to us if we only invite Him in a crisis? Have you invited Jesus into the fullness of your life, the celebrations of your life, as well as the crisis of your life? The other way I think we see epiphanies is, as we've mentioned, Mary, Mary knew who to turn to. It, she didn't go to the wedding planner. She didn't go to the event coordinator. Mary knew to turn to the event maker. This is the one who can change everything. And, and even though it may appear that, that he wasn't the one in charge of an event, Mary knew he's just in charge. He's the one who can transform all things. Where do we turn whenever things go wrong in our lives, whenever we have a, a crisis in our lives? We, we sometimes turn to other people, this person, that person, and, and people are good to turn and lean on. We need each other. We were not created to be alone. But do we know when a challenging time comes in our lives, just to automatically turn to Jesus and, and what was beautiful about with Mary is she didn't ask, will you, are you able to? She said to the servants, do whatever he says, because she knew he could, and their relationship was so intimate, she knew he would. She knew he could, and she knew he would. And so we get to see an epiphany. It seems to be so simple. Fill it up with water and all of a sudden it turns into wine. But what's really interesting is it wasn't only water to wine, it was to extraordinary wine. He took something that was already good. They had had wine, but he made it extraordinary. 
Jim Collins' book is one I've referred to many times. It's called Good to Great. And my favorite line in it is the very first line in the book, which is, good is the enemy of great. I think sometimes one of the reasons we miss epiphanies in our lives is because we settle for good. I've got a good life. Uh, it's a good situation. It's good. It's... But Jesus wanted us to have abundant life. He wanted us to have an incredible life. God never expected us to settle for good when great is an option. Great. Sometimes I think we miss the epiphanies because we settle for good and we've become complacent with good when God has great happening right beside of us. We may not even be looking for it. It's an epiphany. And John tells us that. He told us that actually in the very first line, but also when he wraps up the story, he tells us again. He, he told us at the beginning, this all occurred on the third day. One of the things I love about John is John's a theologian and nothing in John is by accident. So when he goes, this is on the third day, something else happened on the third day. See, Jesus dies on a cross on Good Friday he kept telling them, though, on the third day, on the third day, on the third day, I'll rise again. And on the third day, we celebrate what's considered Easter, resurrection. Isn't it interesting? Jesus' first miracle occurred on the third day and His ultimate epiphany, His ultimate miracle occurs on the third day. It's an amazing story. Verse 11, John says, Jesus did this, the first of His signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed His glory. It's an epiphany. And the disciples believed in Him. An epiphany is not a one-time thing. We're going to spend some time over the next few weeks looking at some epiphanies because God is continually revealing Himself to us. Sometimes we just miss it. Sometimes it may be because we didn't even invite Jesus to the party. So how can we experience an epiphany? So have you invited Jesus to be a vital part of your lives, not just the break glass and the event of an emergency kind of Lord, but the Lord of your life and Savior of your life, who's such an intimate part of your life, you want Him with you, whether it's a wedding or a crisis. Jesus was already there. We might experience more epiphanies if Jesus is already with us. Invite Him into your life, not just your crisis, into your home, to your table, to the embrace with your family, to your work, to your world. And then when the crisis comes, He's already there. Already there. Will you pray with me? 
God, we give you thanks for epiphanies. For you are continually wanting to manifest yourself to us, to reveal yourself to us, to make yourself known to us. And you are at work all around us. But so often we miss it because we're not even looking for it. Or even worse, we miss it because we didn't even invite you into our world. Come into our lives. Come into our homes. Come into our hearts. Come into our work. Come into every part of who we are. That way we can always be there with you. For you are always Emmanuel with us. And we can see you reveal yourself again and again and again. Come to the party. Come into our lives in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.